Hey, RTTN family, welcome to this week's podcast. We just want to take a second and welcome you if you're listening in your car, out for a walk, or you're on your break. We hope this message encourages and helps you in some way today. We pray God blesses you right where you are. Be sure and join in live on Sundays at 1030 a.m. Just visit rttn.church to check us out and get connected. Enjoy the message. Today, we take a trip in our mind's eye to the courtroom of heaven. It is here where eternal transactions take place. It is here that the souls of all men are examined and decisions of eternal magnitude are made. Imagine this morning you are standing in the throne room of God, surrounded by angelic hosts in awe of the indescribable beauty of heaven. In the center of this heavenly courtroom sits the judge, the God of unapproachable light. He is the God of the universe, the God of heaven, the God of earth. He is a holy God, a God so holy that with two of their wings, the angels cover their face and hide their eyes from the radiance of his holiness. As you gaze upon the splendor of this king of glory, suddenly an arrogant aura fills the throne room. In walks the prosecutor of all people. He pompously strolls before the throne, a hideous grin on his face as he prepares to bury humanity beneath the evidence of its sin and failure in the high court of heaven. Satan begins to fill the courtroom with file after file of your failures, stacks of sin mounted against you. Every sin, every failure, every lie, every evil thought carried into the courtroom with every accusation of Satan the weight of sin mounted higher and higher your heart beats heavenly your mind filled with hopelessness and regret with a sinister smile Satan paces the courtroom knowing the rules of the court the foundations of this court were laid before the foundation of the world. Satan understood the nature of God is love, yet Satan reminded the court that justice and truth were its foundations. Although God wanted man to be saved from the sentence of death, Satan waved his finger in the face of the Almighty, reminding God that the rules of the court could not be broken. When the mountain of evidence had been delivered, Satan, the prosecutor, called justice to the witness stand. Justice entered the witness stand and reminded the court that every sin committed had been applied to your account. Justice reminded the court that the wages of your sin meant death. Justice reminded the court that the soul that sins 
shall die. With every statement that justice spoke, your heart sank deeper into despair. The evidence was overwhelming. The guilt was unbearable. The law had been broken and death was sure. Just when all hope was lost, when we were doomed and sentenced to hell, God spoke up in the courtroom and called mercy to the witness stand. And today, I know what sin says about us. Sin says we're a slave. I know what Satan says about us. Satan says we're guilty. I know what justice says about us. Justice says we have to die. But today I came to hear what mercy has to say from the witness stand. This morning as we find ourselves in the courtroom of heaven, the first thing I believe mercy would say from the witness stand is that before this death sentence is passed down and given to the guilty party, I hear mercy saying, is anyone willing to pay for the sins of humanity? What a question. What an improbable thought. To find someone willing to pay the price that humanity owed for its own sin. And not only would mercy look for someone willing, but mercy knew that the person they found had to also be worthy. Not just anyone could pay the price for the sins of man. Mercy scans the courtroom. Mercy looked across heaven to find one who was willing and worthy. Mercy said, Noah, will you pay the price? But immediately justice objected, your honor, Noah can't pay the price for the sins of humanity because Noah had his own issue of sin to deal with. Moses, mercy said, will you pay the price? Quickly, justice objected again, your honor, Moses can't be the savior because Moses had his own issue of sin to deal with. Mercy said, well then David, King David, will you pay the price? But immediately again, justice objected, your honor, David can't be the Messiah because David committed adultery and had Bathsheba's husband murdered. And so the Bible says in Isaiah 59, verse 16 and 17, when a savior was needed but none could be found, God said he saw that there was no one who was willing and worthy. So he was appalled that no one could intervene and decided that he with his own arm would achieve salvation for himself. His own righteousness sustained him and he put on righteousness like a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garment of vengeance and he wrapped himself in a zeal as in a cloak. And the father looked over to the son and said, I need you to go 
you are going to save the world. The son looked back at the father and said, I will go. And immediately justice jumped up in the courtroom and he said, objection, your honor. How will this man save man from sin unless he become a man and be tainted with sin himself? And that is when the spirit of God spoke up and said, don't you remember Satan what Isaiah told you in Isaiah chapter 9 behold a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and the government shall be upon his shoulders your honor said the Holy Spirit all I need is a womb of a virgin girl I'll fill it with my power and the baby she has will not be born of the flesh but will be conceived by the power of God so the judge called for Gabriel and Gabriel walks into the courtroom and he says to Gabriel I need you to find this girl named Mary she's in a town called Nazareth in a city called Galilee immediately Gabriel leaves the courtroom he descends through 40 and 2 generations comes to the little woman named Mary and he said hail Mary thou art highly favored among all women you're getting ready to have a baby and this child that you have will not be born of the flesh but will be born by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary you will be his mama but Yahweh will be his father. Hallelujah. Suddenly the court of heaven was filled with joy because that baby was not just a baby. Heaven knew that that baby was Emmanuel God with us in the flesh and how many know that baby became a boy and that boy became a man and when that man turned 30 years old the Bible teaches us that the spirit led him into the wilderness and the devil looked down from heaven's courtroom and said I got him right where I want him in fact I already know how said Satan this is going to play out he looked at the judge and reminded the judge I've already tempted and I've already caused the fall of your first son Adam and now I've got your son in the wilderness and I'll get him to fall just like the first Adam fell. So Satan walks into the wilderness and for 40 days and 40 nights Jesus wrestled with the devil in the wilderness and Satan began to tempt him over and over and just when it looked like Jesus was getting ready to be overwhelmed, he's weak and tired, he's pressed on by the enemy. Satan in fact said if you'll just give up, fall down and worship me, I'll give you all of these kingdoms but I see and hear the, the son of God standing up and says Satan get thee behind me man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God you see Jesus overcame the devil in the wilderness and when Jesus overcame the devil in the wilderness he came out with great authority his victory over Satan gained him greater authority in fact if you read the text he had authority over sickness he had authority over the elements he had authority over demonic powers in fact Jesus even had the authority over death you 
see when he walked into Jairus' house and Jairus' daughter was dead, he said to the mourners, you got to get out of the room. And he grabbed the young girl by the hand and he said to Letha Kumai, which is being interpreted, rise up. And the little girl rose up and continued her life and went on living. Not only did he raise Jairus' daughter from the dead, but he raised the widow woman from Nain's son from the tomb. And not only did he raise that boy from the tomb, but he went to his best friend Lazarus' house. Lazarus had been dead four days. Jesus said, take me to where you buried him. In other words, take me to where you gave up on him. Oh, I feel like telling somebody in this room today, somebody buried some stuff that ain't ready to die yet. Some of you got to understand that some dreams, some relationships, some ideas, some ministry, some family members that you thought were dead on this resurrection Sunday, God is saying, take me to where you buried it. I've got the power to raise it up again. And it was this resurrection of Lazarus that caused many Jews to turn to Christ and to follow him. His popularity increased. The world seemed to be following after Jesus from Galilee. And as the story of Jesus' life unfolded on the earth, the courtroom of heaven was filled with drama. Satan objected to the judge. Your honor, the life and ministry of Jesus are something but somebody has to die because humanity is still guilty of its sin. Mercy shot back across the courtroom. It's all part of the plan. Your honor, this is part of the plan. Didn't you read Satan over in Isaiah 53 verse 9? He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. So the plan of redemption had already been set in motion. And from that moment we read in the holy scriptures that Jesus was betrayed by Judas, lied on by the false witnesses, abandoned by his his disciples, beaten by Roman soldiers, flogged with a cat of nine tails, scourged with a, by the crowd, condemned by the Jews. They crowned him with a crown of thorns and on Friday morning with three nails and an old rugged cross, they hung him high and they stretched him wide and Jesus cried out from the cross and the father turned his back on the son. Angels wept in the courtroom. Mercy mourned from the witness stand Satan and all of his imps howled and hollered they laughed and parted as the son of God hung dying on a cross and I want you to know this morning that Jesus died and although I'm not glad about it I'm thankful he died because he died until Adam's transgression had been forgiven can I preach like I like to preach in here he died until every curse got reversed he died until the law fell over into grace. He died until the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. He died until every sin ever committed was completely covered. He died until the Roman soldier that mocked him fell down on his knees and said, surely this is the son of God. He died until Paul was 
able to write that he died until Paul was able to write in Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 he canceled out look at this scripture on the screen he canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us he erased it all all our sins our stained soul he deleted it all and your sins cannot be retrieved everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto the cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation the first thing I want to tell you this morning that, that, that mercy would tell us is that the sin that you and I have committed it's all been covered by the blood of the lamb. The stuff you are worried about somebody finding out has already been covered. The stuff the enemy tries to torment you with has already been covered. Somebody asked me, when did it get covered? It got covered on one Friday afternoon when the Son of God was hung between heaven and earth and his royal blood dripped down from Calvary. I want you to know that while he died, he was covering your sin, covering your failure, covering your past, and giving you new life. Can somebody praise God today that it's covered? Look at somebody near you, tell them it's covered, it's covered, it's covered. The lie is covered. The affair is covered. The sin is covered. You cried over it long enough. Now thank God that it's covered. Some of you have been a trap and a prisoner of the mess you made and the mistakes you made. And the devil keeps trying to tell you. All you got to do is turn around and it's still there. But today if you'll turn around, what you'll see is not the foul of sin. You'll see the blood of the lamb. The blood has got you covered. Mercy says from the witness stand, because the Lamb of God died, your sins have been covered. The second thing mercy would say from the witness stand is that no one can rightfully accuse you. Romans 8.33, Paul said it like this. Who? shall bring a charge against God's elect. It is God who justifies. Where is the one that can condemn? It is Christ who died. Next verse. It is Christ who died, yea, rather, who is risen. In other words, when Jesus covered the sin, he took away the accuser's ability to accuse you of the sin. The courtroom is filled, but the blood has been applied. And the judge says, where are your accusers? I'm reminded of a story of a woman in the Gospel of St. John. The Bible said that they caught her 
in the very act of adultery. And they drug her to the temple in the middle of the night. And they said, we caught her in the middle of the night having an affair. Jesus, what do you say about this? And he bent over and wrote in the ground. Somebody said, what did he write? I got news for you. You and I will never know what he wrote because it ain't my business. How many are thankful that what God sees in you, he don't let everybody else know about? Y'all not going to say nothing in here today. How many are thankful for the times God covered you? You can sit out there and act cute all you want to, but I'm thankful for the time God didn't tell my business. Jesus said, where are thine accusers? Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And they all threw in their rocks in a pile and walked out mad. I came to tell you this morning that there's a reason why you ought to have victory and joy in the church. It's not because of the light show and the smoke machine and the cool songs. You ought to have joy because every sin you ever committed has been covered under the blood of Jesus. And now your accuser who used to have legal right to call you a sinner is no longer able to accuse you of that which has been forgiven. Not only has it been forgiven, the devil can't even find it to bring it up again because it's been thrown into the sea of God's forgetfulness. It's covered. And not only are you covered, you can't be accused. But I want to tell you something today. If the only thing Jesus did was die on a cross. If the only emblem of Christianity is that he suffered and died, then our religion is dead and our Savior is a fraud. I didn't get much help on that. But if all he did was suffer and die, if all he did was take the beating, if all he did was hang on a cross, if that's our emblem, then we are of all men most miserable because the cross showed his willingness to save. The cross showed his love to save. When Jesus died, it was the cross that reminds us of his heart to save. But the cross is not the end of the story. If the cross is the end, then according to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we are still in our sins if all Jesus did was die. You say, Pastor, I'm going to need some Bible for that. I'm glad you need it. If you go over to Romans chapter 1 verse 4, look at this here, family. Jesus was declared with power to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. It wasn't just the cross that showed he had power. It was the emptying of the tomb that showed the world this was not just a martyr. 
This was not just a religious guru. This was not just a pitiful man who died on a tree. But when he emptied the tomb on Easter Sunday, it reminded death hell, the grave, the Jew, the Gentile, the Roman soldier, and everybody else that this man was not just any other man. This man was God in flesh. He's the one who said, I have the power to lay my life down. And if, oh God, if I lay it down, I've got the power to raise it back up again. When Jesus rose from the dead, it was a demonstration not just of his willingness to save, but his power to save. This is where we are in most, most of the church world today. We like the love of God, but we don't know much about the power of God. Oh, help me today, Holy Ghost. But I want to tell you today that it is the power of God. I'm thankful for the love of God. And how many know the love of God changes the whole world? I'm not here to make light of the love of God, but I'd like to have a total conversation about it all today. It's not just the love of God that makes me feel good. It is the power of the Spirit infused into my dead heart that made me come alive. Oh, Lord, I feel like preaching right here. There are some people sitting in here today, you have absolutely no clue how you're going to get out of the cesspool of addiction how you're going to get out of the hopelessness of despair. You have no clue how your marriage is going to get turned around, how your kids are going to get turned around, how your money's going to get turned around. You don't know how your job's going to get turned around. You don't know how your business is going to get turned around. Your whole house is going crazy. And you think it's just, oh, oh, I got to come to church and talk about the man that died on the cross. I'm thankful he died on the cross. But today I come to tell you it is the power of God that interrupted the story of Satan. Satan thought he wrote a beautiful story and it looked like the king died on the tree. Oh, but on Sunday morning, that first resurrection Sunday, it wasn't just love that put him on a tree. It was power that brought him out of the tomb. I came to tell somebody today that the power of God is resurrection power. Mercy, what do you have to say? Mercy said, number one, sins are covered. Mercy said, number two, nobody can charge you in the court of heaven. And mercy said, number three, not only are you going to be forgiven, but you're going to have abundant life in the here and there. Watch this, watch this, watch this. You say, pastor, what? Does it mean that the tomb is empty? Here's what it means. That when you got born again, the same, oh, let me just read it like Paul wrote it. It's over in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And, and, and Paul says it like this. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Here's what the problem is we got to fix real quick. We think that the power that we are exposed to on Sunday morning when people get saved is a different kind of power than the power that raised Jesus up from the dead. But Paul fixes this thing. Paul says 
you got to remind yourself Jesus was dead three days. In fact, he was dead and they put a stone on the front of the tomb and then they sealed it with the seal of Rome. Uh huh. And the guards were watching over the tomb and he was for real dead. How many know he didn't just go to sleep? How many know he wasn't just unconscious? Jesus died. He died until Joseph of Arimathea pulled his dead body down off of the cross, wrapped him up in grave clothes, carried him to the tomb, and they sealed the tomb because Jesus was dead. That's called hopelessness. That's called end of story. That's called game over. If you listen clearly, you'll hear hell having a party in the background on Friday night. If you listen clearly, you'll hear demons howling and going crazy because now the king is dead. He's dead. All hope is gone. But Satan didn't know about power. Satan didn't understand that God wrote this thing from the beginning. And on, on Resurrection Sunday, the power of God came into the borrowed tomb of Joseph and touched the dead body of Jesus. And what was dead and hopeless came back to life by the power of God. It wasn't chicken soup for the Christian soul that brought him back to life. It wasn't, it wasn't the catechism that brought him back to life. It, it wasn't being a member of your favorite church that brought him back to life. It wasn't your favorite worship CD that brought him back to life. This man was dead. No life in his body. It was a hopeless situation. And I think it got so bad because Jesus wanted to testify to you and me that when you come into a place in your life when it looks hopeless and it looks like there's no way out and it looks like the dead end of all dead ends, and this is it when everybody gives up when everybody says it's over when everybody said checkmate game over no more God says that's when I use my power somebody came to church on Resurrection Sunday, and I'm about to be done with this message, but somebody came to church on Resurrection Sunday and the enemy has persuaded you to believe that you're at a dead end and you are at an impassable situation and you are in the middle of a problem that you'll never get out of and your mind has not seen the kind of power that I'm talking about, but go, God, but God is getting ready to give somebody a breakthrough in this house and I declare to you according to Romans chapter 8 verse 11 that the same spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead is the same Holy Ghost at 1908 Bailey Avenue downtown Chattanooga moving in this house on resurrection Sunday morning Andy come help me Tobin come help me you look like Jesus Tobin come here Tobin, lay down right there. Andy, lay down right there. He's trying to dance on the floor. Watch. Three days, tomb sealed, life over, 
heaven weeping, hell howling, Satan having a party. Mercy sitting on the witness stand, mourning. God turned his back on his son. Angels crying. All of a sudden, resurrection Sunday morning. God said, this isn't how the story is going to end. I wish you would look at somebody and act like you believe this and tell them this is not how this story is going to end. It's not going to end with us losing our mind. It's not going to end with us losing our joy. This story is not going to end with us in divorce court and bankruptcy and losing everything we got. I wish you would look over at one other neighbor and tell them this is not how it's going to end. It's not going to end with me getting a pink slip and losing everything I got. It's not going to end with me not knowing the goodness of God in the land of the living. I know it's bad right now, but this is not how my story is going to end. Oh, they tried to tell Job, Job, you're not ever going to get anything back. Job just kept on living. Sometimes the only thing you can do when the devil is talking in your ear is just keep getting up every morning. Keep on going back to the word. Keep on going back to the church. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Somebody, oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost didn't know me right now. Somewhere down on the inside of me, I've got a feeling that somehow this is not how my life story is going to end. Somebody holler if you believe it in this house. This is not how it's going to end. Because he already told them, give me three days. <laughs> oh, I need a weekend VRBO. <laughs> I don't need no house forever. I just need to borrow a tomb. Come on in here, somebody. Joseph's tomb was not a residence. It was just a vacation rental for the weekend. Uh-huh. That body of Jesus laid on the inside of that tomb. And God said, this is not how this story's going to end. And the angel came to take care of business. And the Holy Ghost was trying to infuse the body. But when they got to the tomb, they found a stone. What do we do about the stone? God said, I'll take care of the stone all by myself. He took the earth from the east and from the west, grabbed it and shook it until the ground in Jerusalem shook and the stone rolled away. And the Holy Ghost came in that tomb and entered the dead body of Jesus. We didn't even practice that, but it looked so good. Oh, reach over and tell your neighbor, neighbor, it's Resurrection Sunday. I didn't say he didn't die. I just said that he didn't stay dead. Oh, oh. Somebody take 10 seconds and give God praise for the power. 
said this ain't how it's going in. Look at your neighbor. Karate chop him in their Q3 piece suit and tell him, hey neighbor, I don't know what you're going through, but this ain't how it's going to end. You might be hooked on drugs and can't get free. You might be depressed and feel suicidal. You might have lost everything you had. But this ain't how it's going to end. Oh, Lord. I feel something happening in this church today. I feel the power of God getting ready to break out all over this church. So, God said, if it worked on Resurrection Sunday, I'm going to take the same spirit that that woke up the dead body of Jesus, and I'm coming into your tomb today. And you said, Pastor, but what about my stone? And I came to tell somebody, he still knows how to move the stone out of the way. And here we are, laying in our tomb on Resurrection Sunday morning. Oh, no, no, we don't look dead because we dressed our dead self up in a real cute suit. And we looking real attractive on Easter Sunday morning. But on the inside, we can't find no pulse in your spirit. On the inside, you don't have no joy unspeakable and full of glory. On the inside, there's no sign of life. And you're just laying in your tomb. And some of y'all worried about where the devil is. The devil done walked off and left you. Because he thought you were already dead. Somebody said, I feel like I need to rebuke the devil. Baby, you don't have to rebuke the devil. He ain't here this morning. And you're laying in your tomb. And while you're laying in your tomb, you're hearing songs about Jesus' victory. And while you're laying in your tomb, you're hearing this hollering preacher sweat and go crazy. Talking about the power of God, and you're just sitting there lifeless. 
but the stone's coming open today. Somebody say, how's it coming open? I feel the shaking. I said, I feel the shaking. Somebody said, what is shaking? God's getting ready to shake your whole life. He's getting ready to shake your whole house. The devil tried to set up a death spirit in your life, but I came to tell you God is getting ready to shake us. Somebody open up your mouth and holler, shake it, God. Shake it, shake it, shake it till my stone rolls away. Shake it till my hope comes back. Shake it till my children believe again. I need you to shake it, God. Hold on. He's laying in the tomb. Today, God's shaking your life, rolling your stone away. And God said, I'm going to send the same spirit that raised Jesus up. I'm going to take that same precious Holy Spirit. I'm going to invade 2019. It still works. It still works. It still works. I need you to find five people. Handshake five people and tell a neighbor the power of God. The power. Oh, I feel it happening here right now. The power of God. The same power that raised up the body of Jesus is the same power that's going to work in your life right now. Somebody take 10 seconds and shout all over the church. I need you to really praise him. I need you to praise him like your neighbor's getting ready to get up. I need you to praise him like your marriage is getting ready to get up. Somebody give God a praise. Somebody give God praise. Oh, thank you, God. On this Resurrection Sunday morning, when hopelessness has gripped somebody's soul and regret is just gnawing at somebody's heart and the devil has been whispering, it's over. If I'm talking to you, I don't care if it's about your marriage, your business, your money, your relationships, your children, your house, your job, if there's anything that looks and feels dead and you don't know how you're going to get it to come back to, oh, I hear the Holy Ghost saying, somebody has even felt this with a ministry and the ministry inside you feels dead. But God, 
Yeah, right there, LeBron. God woke me up early this morning. And he said, when you get to church, he said, I want you to make sure you tell somebody that it ain't going to end like this. Oh, Lord. I don't know who I came to preach to, but it ain't going to end like this. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is getting ready to raise you up this morning. If you believe in one more time, give God shouts of praise. Shout like you believe it now. Some of you ain't never shouted, but this is the day for you to shout. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hold on. I'm through preaching. Today, somebody who feels dead is coming back to life. You feel hopeless on the inside. You feel like you wasted some of your life and you're nervous about the future. And you wonder, can you get it back? We do not serve a God who can give you back yesterday. He will never violate his own principle. But he is a God who will help you redeem tomorrow. I want you to know right now, no matter how much of your life you've wasted, there is no reason to waste another day. You say, Pastor, I don't have the power to bring all this together. You don't. But the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is here today to raise you up from the dead. Say, Pastor, why are you so excited? Because I got a phone call this morning. Elder Basham and Miss Vicky went over to Israel this past week. I've been looking at all their pictures on Facebook. He texted me sometime around 5 o'clock this morning. He said, Bishop, I just want to let you know something. I just left the tomb. That was this morning, 5.30. He said, I just want to let you know something. I just left the tomb. And the tomb is still empty. Somebody praise him. I said, somebody praise God. When God raises something up, it'll keep on living by the sustaining power of the Holy Ghost. Some of you know about the love of God, but today I believe some of you are going to taste the power of God. I know it's Easter and we got to run to lunch and we got to hunt eggs and whatnot. And some of you, you're nervous right now about what this next moment could present to you because your mascara could run. And your cute, your cute suit might get wrinkled up right here. But I'm going to tell you, some of you are so desperate. I know not everybody, but some of you are so desperate on the inside. You tried a whole lot of stuff. None of it's working. 
but the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is getting ready to invade your life. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You say, the first thing I need to do, don't leave. Don't leave. Just give me, just give me three more minutes. Give me three more minutes. Let me talk to you about eternity. The most important thing I could do on Resurrection Sunday is preach the gospel. And remind every person in this room right now that there will be a day we stand in the courtroom of heaven. There will be a day when the souls of all men stand examined before a holy God. Our religious diatribe won't get us in. Our church membership won't get us in. Your mama's faithfulness to God won't get you in. The only thing that will get us in is our willingness to surrender and yield our lives to Jesus and let that precious love and power that he gives take over. You're in this room today and you say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I need to come back to life. I need life on the inside. I'm not interested if you go to church or never been to church. I don't care if you're a member of 22 churches. I'm asking you right now. On the inside, are you alive in God? On the inside, do you know you got peace with God? On the inside, is he the Lord of your life? I'm not asking you if you know about Jesus. I'm asking you if he is your Savior and your Lord. I'm counting to three this morning on Resurrection Sunday. Somebody needs to come back to life, but you got to let him in. If you want to let him in, when I say three, lift your hand. We're going to pray, and God's going to save today. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I was doing last night, last week. I'm, I'm just a mess. My life is a wreck. Listen, listen. Jesus didn't come for the perfect. He came for the sinner. If you're perfect, you don't need a Savior. But if you're a mess, then you're the reason why I'm preaching this message today. He came for you. You can't be too messed up for Jesus to love you. You can't be too deep and dark in sin for Jesus not to save you. He will save you today. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm counting to three. If you want to go to heaven and love God with all your heart, the full pardon of sin and the freedom of knowing Jesus. When I say three, lift your hand up. One, two, three. Right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My God, hands are up all over this house. You can put your hands down right now. Here's how we do it. Now, there's two ways we could do this. You can put your hand down. I could do this by you staying in your seat and making you feel comfortable. Or I could say, today we're going to take the greatest step we've ever taken in our life. And we're not going to worry about what the world around us thinks. Today, we're becoming sons and daughters of the living God, joining the kingdom of God, and we don't give a flying flip who knows about it. It's going to be the greatest day of our life. I think that's how we're going to do it today. I think that's how we're going to do it today. Since I'm not into us trying to protect our ego, there is no ego. I'm coming to Calvary today to say, wash me of my sins, Lord. I want to be clean, made whole and perfect in your sight, God. I want you to wash me today. I want you to free me today. I want to come alive. Here's how I want you to do it. I want you to look at the person in just a second on your left and right. You may have known them your whole life. You may have never met them before today. But I want you to look at them in a second and just say this one question. Do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? And if you lifted your hand, there were so many that lifted their hand. If you lifted your hand or you should have, when your neighbor asks you if you need someone to go pray with you, I want you to take them by the hand. You may not know them. You may know them very well. But I want them to come with you so you're not alone. And I'm going to meet you right here. Our entire pastoral team and 
team of prayer leaders just want to love you and we want to pray with you. God's going to change your life today. Ready? One, two, three. Ask your neighbor right now. Do you need someone to go to the altar and pray? If you lifted your hand or you should have, this is the most important thing we'll do today. I want you to come out of your seat and come stand with me right now. Come on, sweetheart. Thank you for coming. People are coming. People are coming. People are coming. Come on. I saw a bunch of hands. Come on. We're here for you. Come on. I'm coming to life today. I'm coming to life today. I've been dead on the inside too long. I'm coming to life. I wish I could find a church to help me praise God. Come on, there's a bunch more of you. It's not too late. You've not gone too far. He's a God of love and power. Come on home. Come on from the back. They're still coming. They're still screaming down the aisles. I'm coming to Jesus. I'm not going to keep living like I'm living. I want to be free. Church, shout with angels right now. Come on. People are still coming. Come on. This is why we got up this morning. This is it. This is why we do it. Come on. It's for his kingdom and his glory. They're still coming. My God, come on home. Chains are being broken today. We're not in a hurry. This is why Jesus died and rose again. This is the good news of the gospel. Stretch your hands toward them and pray with them today like you wish somebody would pray for you the day you gave your heart to Jesus. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw light, Sing, family. It was there. I received my sight. Come on, keep praying, keep singing. Something's happening at the cross. The power of God is coming in this place right now. And the burden. there by faith and now oh let's sing the hymn one more time as they pray at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart Come on, family, sing this morning. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now, happy, happy, happy. One more time at the cross. Come on. At the cross. At the cross.
Would you pray another prayer over these brothers and sisters that have just come and give their life to Jesus right now? Just stretch your hands over them right now. A prayer of the sealing power of God's Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I want every one of you that came to the altar to listen to me. If you can, look at me. All of you who've come to the altar, listen to me and look at me just a second. A couple things I want to say to you. Number one, this is not the finish line. This is just the beginning. This journey with Jesus begins on the day you get saved, but it's like a birthday in the kingdom of God. And every year you're going to grow, and every day you're going to get closer and closer to Jesus. Now, we believe in order for you to be victorious in this life, a couple things got to happen. Number one, you need to read the Word, so we got a Bible for everybody. Number two, you need to develop a prayer life and just begin talking to God like you talk to your best friend. Listen for His voice because He'll start talking to you. And the last thing I want you to know is you need to get plugged into a local church that will love you, teach the Word, and help you grow in God. You may have a church in mind, and if you do, we want you to go there. But if you don't, I want you to know that this house will love every one of you. You'll be a part of this family. There's a place for you in this house and in the kingdom. And I don't want you to go looking for another place. I want you to know every day you wake up, you've got a church family that loves you and believes in you. How many are going to pray for our new brothers and sisters in Christ and keep them covered in prayer? Come on. If you're in your seat and you are saved, but you need God to bring something back to life on the inside, I want you to lift your hand right now. Anybody that I preach to today, hands are up all over this house. I want you to lift both hands high. For anybody near you right now that's got faith, lay your hand on their shoulder. I want you to become an extension of the touch of God touching their life today. If you see somebody with their hand up, just reach over and help me pray right now. We're going to pray this prayer. Power of God power of God. I pray right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, that the power of God come upon that situation that they're worried about, concerned about, burdened about. Lord, they can't raise the dead up by themselves, so today we're calling on the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to walk in the tomb of our life and raise up everything we've given up on that you're not finished with yet. I declare that the best is still yet to come over every one of their lives. And I rebuke lies that the enemy is speaking in their ear, telling them it's over. I declare it ain't going to end like this. And today we rejoice and we celebrate. Come on, let's say this out of our mouth. Say, we declare in the name of Jesus that God is not finished yet. And we believe that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive in us, working on our behalf, and we shall see, come on, say it like you believe it, we shall see resurrection, resurrection power activated in our situation by the grace of God, in Jesus' name, everybody shout amen. Let's give God praise all over the church, come on. Listen, if you'll go get your precious babies and take them to the big soccer field, it's not this one by the parking lot. It's the one around the corner, a block and a half, two blocks down the road, over on Orchard Knob. Get your babies, get to the soccer field. We're going to have 
some fun with the kids. I love your church. We'll see you Wednesday night. Don't forget to register for the William McDowell live recording here on May 10th. Go in the peace of the Lord.